All right, well, this week we start a new sermon series. All right, that's the, that's the, the response I need. You see, y'all don't know this, my love language is words of affirmation, so I need sometimes to hear that you're excited, okay? There we go, okay. So, finishing up Jude, I wanted, I, I really prayed about this, this was very intentional, is Jude can, it can rattle us, right? I mean, we read something like Jude and it's like, man, there's some bad stuff out there that we got to fight. Uh, you know, all the talk about the, the false teachers and, and the, the error and the, you know, the way of Balaam and the rebellion of Korah and, and the way of Cain. And I mean, it's just, Jude just kind of just hammers on these false teachers. And it's easy for us at times as Christians to fall into the thinking that our lives are all about fighting this darkness that's there. Just fight, just fight, just fight. But remember, last week, even in Jude, the answer he gave us was not to spend all of our effort trying to fight the evil, but what? He said, build yourselves up and keep yourself in the love of Jesus. And so I wanted us to kind of turn a corner with our next sermon series, is how do we keep ourselves inspired? How do we reach? Remember our our 2023 theme is about reaching. And so we're going to jump into the book of Ephesians because I don't know a book in the Bible that you can reach higher than this book. Paul gives such a description of what God has done, of who we are, how he has blessed us. He gives us such a high view of of the kingdom of God and what it means to serve him that really what I want is for us to start reaching higher than we ever have. I think we sell our lives short in so many ways because we settle for the mundane when God has given us so much more. And when I say so much more, I don't mean material blessings, and we're going to get into that. I don't mean that you know, life is always going to be rosy or awesome and, you know, all we got to do is claim it and that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real work of what Jesus did on the cross and what it did for us. What it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. When's the last time you really thought about that? You are a part, a living, active part of the kingdom of God. The creator of the universe has put his seal and his mark on you if you are born again and said, I want you in my kingdom for all eternity. It should excite us. We should be able to think about it and go, wow, wait, God is really, this isn't just about what I'm dealing with right now. What I'm dealing with right now in the grand scope of eternity is going to fade into nothingness compared to the glory of God that's going to be revealed. And we get to be a part of it. And so I want us reaching higher. I want us to reach so high in our faith that we wonder why we never did that before. And so we're going to start in the book of Ephesians and see what it is that that God has for us. Now, just a a quick bit of of background. The, The city of Ephesus 
in Paul's day was very much a cultural and philosophical hub in the Roman Empire, okay? They were deep thinkers in that city. Now, they were also very pagan. The, uh, the temple of Artemis was in that city. And Artemis was one of the chief gods of the ancient world. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world was this huge, massive temple to Artemis that was in the city of Ephesus. It was a city that was very refined culturally, but very dark spiritually. And you know what happened? The church moved into that place. Paul went into that place, and they started a church. And it became a center for Christian growth for hundreds of years. One of the most powerful churches that we had in the early church was found in the city of Ephesus. And I believe the reason why is because they countered the culture that they had that was filled with this paganism. They took an even higher view of God than the world around them took of their pagan gods uh, of Zeus and, and Artemis and all of these other gods. And they just won the argument because they said, our God is better. He is righteous. He is good. And they served him, and they went about it fearlessly. We read in Acts chapter 19. You remember in Acts 19, there was a riot in the city of Ephesus because the local economy was suffering because Jesus was growing. He was making so many uh, disciples there in the city that the Artemis statues weren't selling at the same rate that they had been. And they stirred up a riot, and the apostle Paul was like, hey, I'll go right down there into the middle of it. And he was ready to, to take them all on at once. So Ephesus was a very important city, and it was a very powerful movement of God that happened in that city. And so Paul spent years in the city of Ephesus. He was very close with the, the church leaders there. And yet, as he went through life, and he was arrested, and he went into prison, he did not see them again. And so this is a letter that he sent as this church has grown. There are probably many new members to this church <clears throat> that he had not met. And so he sent a letter, just a, not an occasional letter, you know, like Corinthians was always a response to, you know, the problems that they had. It wasn't that. It was a, a letter simply meant to teach. And, and so Paul had time to get his thoughts together in prison, and he wrote this letter to the city of Ephesus, to the church there, showing them just how great it is to be in the kingdom of God. To elevate their view of who God is and who they are in Christ. And so this week, our first sermon, we start and look at what I'm going to call the new normal. When you are saved, nothing's the same ever again, amen? And when I say nothing, there's stuff we don't even realize changed that changed. And we, it's up to us to learn to live within the new normal that God has created for us. And don't take that as a negative. That is not a negative. It's like, oh, you, you know, you better do this. No, it's saying God changes so much within us that we now live literally in an elevated position that we didn't have before. We go from being slaves to sin to children of royalty. Do you think that's going to require a change in mindset? We don't even realize the blessings that we have. It's like we woke up one day in, in the slum, and the next day we woke up in the palace, and they said, it's all yours. And you know what? We say, what's all? And God says, all. It's all yours. 
Everything that's mine, I've given to you. What would be your next step? I got to go explore this. I got to go find out. This is, you mean this is my new life? And all of this is now, I'm, this is me. And he says, yes, welcome home. This is your home. You can enjoy all of this now. We would all say, cool, let's go explore. Let's go find out what it is that we have. Because that is a new normal that your life is going to be about. That's what happens to us when we get saved. But too many people don't ever reach for it. They get saved and they're like, yeah, it's cool. I'm forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven. And they kind of get a little bit of it. And then they're satisfied and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm good. And we as Christians, I believe, live below the blessing God wants us to live in. Now, again, this has nothing to do with, you know, getting rich and having material goods. I'm not talking about that. This is identity, and these are spiritual blessings we're going to talk about in just a minute. But we live below our station that God has elevated us to. And so this week, we're just going to look in six verses, Ephesians 1, 1 through 6. And we're going to take a start to look at this new normal. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, if you don't already see the exalted language, Paul wants us to open our minds to something big. And in fact, he wants it so much that he really kind of has the greatest run-on sentence in the history of the world in this passage. So look in your Bible if you have it. Start in verse 3 and go down to verse 14. In the Greek, that's one sentence. Paul just, he just starts going and he just starts heaping words on words on words on words. It is one sentence in the Greek. It's three paragraphs in the English. The reason I bring that up is that all of this, for this one sentence, Paul wants us to put it all together. Now, it's kind of impossible in English to do that, and it's going to take us some time. But don't compartmentalize any of this. This is all one big thought and introduction that Paul wants us to have. And so he never stops us in. He just keeps adding words after word after word after word, heaping this all together because he's that excited for us to know what we have, what God has done. And I think we do a disservice, especially in the passage we're about to look at, by overanalyzing the wrong parts of it. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a minute. But in order to understand the new normal, first we have to start with the right mindset. Start with the right mindset. Have you ever had a time in life where changing your mindset just kind of changed everything? 
well, if we have gone from slaves to sin to children of the Most High God, there's going to be a mindset shift there that has to happen. If we're going to really enjoy it and we're going to understand it and we're going to be effective in that life that God has called us to, we have to get out of slave thinking and into exalted thinking in the kingdom of God. We have to make that transition. And so in this case, reaching higher involves having a correct idea of what we are reaching for. You know, have you ever set a a goal that wasn't really a goal, but it sounded good? I just want to, I want to be better in 2023. Man, that sounds like a good goal, is it? Until you start trying to do it, and you're like, well, better at what? Better, you know, we we can really sound like we're doing something sometimes and not really have anything at all. You know, political word salad, we all know about that. And so Paul tells us exactly what our mindset needs to be. What do we need to know right off the bat? In 1.3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want to let that sit for just a second. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So have you ever thought, God, will you bless me? And you know what God's answer is? I already have. Well, can I get more blessing? There's no more to give because I gave you all of it. All of it. I have blessed you with every blessing that could possibly be given, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, I've given you all of it. Now, how many of us think about our Christianity in those terms? I know I, I have to be reminded of this all the time. We already have it. And this isn't this authority, again, this, this modern health and wealth stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But the reality that will continue to exist after this world is over and we're, we're into the next age, there's this age and the age to come, when we go into the next age and death and sin are no more and we are in the presence of God, all of the blessings that could possibly be had in heaven are already ours and they will continue to be ours for all eternity. So right now we don't recognize them, we don't see them, but it's true. And you see, God is not withholding anything from us. He has given us everything that he can give. God's nature and his actions. What does he say? It says, blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us. He's blessed and what did he do? He gave of himself so that we could be blessed. And he has not withheld anything. And this is necessary truth when we think about God. Our first thoughts of God, when we think about God, need to be about what he has done for us through the cross. Because if we get the wrong idea of God in mind, the wrong mindset, then we're going to give energy to the wrong place. Okay? And let me put it this way. If in our mind God is angry, then we're going to give our energy trying to appease him when he's already been appeased through the cross. If he is aloof, 
will try to capture his attention. If God is distant, we will try to bring him near. If God is transactional, we will try to earn his favor. How we think about God will affect how we try to relate to God. So if our starting point with God is good, is that he is good, that he is blessed, and he has shared of himself in blessing us, then it clears up this confusion quickly. And notice, that's where Paul starts. He doesn't like warm us up. He just starts out and he's like, hey, you know, Paul, an apostle by the will of Jesus Christ, the standard opening, and then he just starts in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want you to know right off the bat, God has given you everything. Everything. He has not withheld anything. And so how has he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? And this is a crucial distinction. It does not say worldly blessings in the earthly places. And that's so many times what we want. And that's what I mean by we settle for lesser things. We're like, hey, God, I, want, I just want my life to be happy. If you'll just do that, that'll be enough. And God is like, oh, no, that's not enough. This life's going to end. Don't live for this life. I've given you every blessing in the spiritual places. I've given you everything for eternity. I want you to learn to focus there because that is what's going to continue after you die. So get to know those now. And so we have to have this distinction. Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places means that they are blessings that the world will not know that the world will not recognize, and that the world cannot access. It will look different from the world. It will feel different from the world. It won't serve the same purpose as the world. And so if we are trying to mix God's kingdom with worldly pursuits, we're just going to be frustrated because God isn't going to bless that. He's not going to bless that. These blessings are only available to God's people through Jesus Christ. And this is going to become very important because these blessings are such that in 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul put it this way. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Now, we could just stop right there. The natural person, the world... The flesh, apart from God's Spirit, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, what Paul is doing is he is raising our, our, our gaze. He is raising everything. He wants you to look. I want you thinking spiritually about these things, not worldly. Because what... God has given us, we'll reject it because we'll think, well, that's foolish. That doesn't make any sense if we only use our own mind and not the truth of God and not the spirit of God to discern them. And that's why we miss it. That's why it seems like such a strange thing that when, when Paul says he has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, we could look around at our lives and go, it doesn't feel like every blessing. I'm pretty sure I could think of a few more. And you know why? Because it's worldly thing. We're thinking about it through our flesh, through our eyes. We aren't looking at the bigger picture. 
And so we short ourselves of the understanding of what God has really done for us. And that affects everything. We don't praise him like we should then. We, we don't serve him like we should because we think we're missing something. And Satan convinces us that we're missing something. Did God really give you every blessing? Well, what about that? You see, that's what he does is he distracts us. And, and so the right mindset for reaching higher then is to stop looking at life as the world does. Stop looking for material blessings as signs of God's favor and start living in the abundance of the spiritual blessings that God has already given us because he's given us all of them. He has held nothing back. And if we do not believe this one truth, then reaching might and probably will seem impossible. We'll get frustrated with reaching because we won't see the progress that we think we should see. Why? Because we're judging it based on worldly things. Because we're thinking, well, if I reach for these blessings, then I'll be blessed and my life will be easier. Was Paul's life easy? Where was he writing this letter from? Prison. For something he didn't do. And he spent years in prison because he was a man of integrity. You know why he spent years in prison as a man of integrity? Because he refused to pay off the people who wanted a bribe and they'd have just let him go. And Paul's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So, cool, I'll just hang out with you. They said, well, if you just give me a little money, he says, no, I'll just tell you about Jesus. How about we just talk about that every day for the next three years? See, I will counter your darkness with light. It's not about life being easier. It is about the height of what God has done for us and who he is. And it's how we get through life then with joy. It's how we get through life with peace. See, if we start by realizing God has already given us all the spiritual blessings that could be given, then life is no longer about getting blessings, but learning to understand them and walk in them. If we start at the place where God is, is just generous, then we start to understand, okay, if I'm not experiencing this, it's probably me, it's not him, because the Bible says he's given me every spiritual blessing that could be given. He's already given it to me. And this, to give us comfort, to show us that how powerful this is, Paul shows us that this was his plan from the beginning. Okay, the gospel was God's plan from the beginning. It was not reactionary. Adam and Eve did not catch God off guard. Okay, he didn't walk away from them and they sinned and he came back and he's like, what did you do? You broke it. That's not what he did. He knew from the beginning they were going to sin. He knew how they were going to sin. He knew all of it and he already had the plan in place. For the redemption of mankind through his son, Jesus Christ, he already had it all planned out and knew exactly how it was going to work. And when did he know this? Listen to verse 4. Even as he chose us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. Before he ever even created the world, he knew this is how this is going to work. It's going to be about faith in my son. That we should be holy and blameless before him. 
in love. Don't forget those two words. In love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you just tremored because I said the predestination word? And you're like, oh, no, here we go. No, this isn't hard. And God never meant for this to be confusing. People have made this confusing, and it shouldn't be. It should bring us comfort. It should absolutely be empowering to us to know who our God is. It says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, many people get confused, and there are a lot of interpretations of this passage regarding predestination and being chosen that I believe miss the point of what Paul is saying, okay? I'm not here to argue Calvinism or Arminian with you, and if you want to, please don't. We're not doing that, okay? I'm just not. I've, I've gone through all levels of seminary all the way through. I've had this discussion so many times, I don't want to have it again, okay? I know what I believe, and, and that's where we're going to stick. So what does it say? Calvinism, Arminianism, the subject of free will and God's sovereignty are always attached to this passage. And they miss the point. They miss the point of the power and the comfort and the glory of what God has done. Paul wasn't trying to confuse us in this passage. He's wanting to elevate our thinking. He is showing us how we have obtained those blessings he was just telling us about. And how did we do it? Because God chose before the foundation of the world to bless the entire world through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. Don't go any further. He predestined Jesus to be the one who would bless everybody. Don't take it further than it needs to go. Don't turn God into a tyrant who just picks and chooses this person and rejects this person and, and all of this. The point here is that he had a plan before the foundation of the world to redeem people of faith through Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be more complex than that. And so Paul uses some words that are very important to Christian theology and how we think of God. Words like chose and chosen and predestined. But don't let these words confuse or intimidate you. Let them bring you peace. We are dealing with something that is beyond our pay grade right here, okay? I can't describe to you what God was doing before he created the world because I wasn't there. And I wouldn't understand it even if I was because he is infinite. And what Paul is doing is saying, look, God has had this under control from the beginning. From the beginning, before the foundation of the world, he chose Jesus Christ so that all who are in him will be blessed. He is showing the centrality of the gospel. He is showing the consistency of God's plan from the beginning. It has always been about faith and will always be about faith. <clears throat> and he's going to show that later on in this lesson. Okay, he's going to get into the relationship of Jews and Gentiles in the Old Testament and what it means. 
And, and, and you're going to see how that plan has always been the plan, and it's always been about faith from the very beginning. God has not once changed his mind on how we will relate to him. And so the entire discussion is to show that Jesus was God's plan for his people from the beginning of all creation. The cross, now get this, the cross was not a reaction to sin, but God's grace at work before sin ever happened. God created the world. He knew we would rebel against him, and he already had the plan of the cross in place to redeem the world from sin. It was salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that was predestined. Don't take it any further than that. Don't let it confuse you. Take peace in, in the fact, take comfort and peace in the fact that, man, God planned this out the whole way and he never lost control of anything and that it was always about Jesus and it was never about being complex. It was never, uh, you know, this thing that we make it sometimes. It was always about him. And how do I know that? Listen again to what it says here in the same passage, okay? It says, even as he chose us, where? In him. See, that's important. He chose us in him. It didn't say he chose us individually and rejected these people individually. It chose us in him. His plan was about Jesus when? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy and blameless before him. Anybody in here holy and blameless on your own? Please don't raise your hand. Because then I've got to change the entire sermon to fix something that's very wrong. We are holy and blameless because Jesus was holy and blameless. So we were chosen in him to be like him because we were predestined for adoption because in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons. How do we become sons, daughters? Through Jesus Christ. Notice how Paul keeps bringing that back around. He's saying, look, this plan was at work, and it was to get you here. And this part of this plan was at work, and it was to get you here. And he keeps coming back to the plain, same purpose. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. He's talked about Jesus three times in this. And yet when we confuse it through this, this Calvinism, Arminianism debate, this love that it says, in love, he did this gets missed. And it becomes this ranked theological debate that divides people when it's supposed to be uniting them. We're supposed to look at it and say, oh, okay, this is all about Jesus and always has been. Cool. Okay, that's, that's, that's it. It's always been about him. So when it was predestined before the foundation of the world, that is how in control God is. Before he created the world, he already knew his world would rebel, fall into sin. He already knew he would send his son as the sacrifice for our sins. He already knew that he would make salvation possible by faith and not by works. Because he knew our works were going to stink. He knew we were going to mess that up. Now, what does Paul get to eventually in Ephesians? He says, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. This not of yourselves, not of works, so that no one could boast. 
We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So he says, yeah, your works should change after you're saved. They should become good works after you're saved. But you're not saved by those works. You're saved so you can do those works. Because that is the higher view of life now. That is what we are reaching for. So in reaching higher in our faith, in reaching for the blessings that are already ours, we start by understanding that God has that this, the gospel, has always been God's plan. He wants us with him. He wants us forgiven. He wants us to live for all eternity with him. He wants us to be holy and blameless before him, so he gave us the righteousness of Christ. And he made it all possible through faith in Jesus, which means God wants to bless us. And what does Paul say? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I hope that inspires you. I hope that that elevates your view of like, wait a minute. I might be thinking about my Christian faith wrong. This is, this is really elevated. Yes, you have become eternal royalty. You are different from the world. And so God is for us and not against us. Your faith is not an accident. God set it up ahead of time, and that's what he wants to happen. And one of the things that we, how I resolved this whole predestination thing in my own mind was just to understand that God took the initiative in, in our salvation. He took the first step. He came to us. We didn't go to him. He came to us. How do I know that? Because Jesus came to heaven. We didn't go to, came to earth. We didn't go to heaven and say, hey, God, we need you. What happened? Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to us and says, I'll die for you. And that's what God intended from the beginning. And so it's up to us now to embrace a bigger reality. Embrace a bigger reality. This life is not just about how I'm feeling right now or even tomorrow. It's not just about who's healthy and who's sick. It's, it's about so much more. If God has given us every blessing in the heavenly realms, if he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, then I want to experience as many of them as humanly possible this side of heaven. Because that is what's going to enrich my earthly life. I want to know those blessings. And then know that I'm going to walk in them forever in all of eternity. The, the worldly things that we call blessings, they're going to end. And, and so this is what we've, we've got to learn to, to have a bigger view of life. And I really believe... This is the reason that Jesus literally called it being born again in John chapter 3. It's a new life. It's a different life. It is a higher existence than what you had before when you were born again. And it's up to us to walk in it. All of it, then, is for our good 
and for God's glory. Reaching higher means going above life as the world knows it. What the world tells you is, is this is what's important. We say, no, this is what's important, and it's infinitely higher and better. And that is what shining your light is. It is shining the light of the good, of the spiritual blessings that God has given us, that we're able to radiate the things of God to the world and show them and say, look, there is so much more than what this world has given us. There is so much more than what this world has told us is important. And, and, you know, hey, you're living if this happens. No, you're living when you're in Jesus Christ. And we reach higher for it. And in order for that to happen, we have to understand it starts with faith. This is not magic or irrational positivity, but in true hope that is anchored in the goodness, the power, and the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. And in order to grab hold of that, what did Jesus say we have to do first? We have to deny ourselves. You see, denying ourselves isn't just the easy, oh, okay, don't sin. Yes, that's part of it. But you see, we have to deny ourselves the easy, sinful pleasures of this world and strive for holiness, reach for God, and trust that where God is taking us is good, Trust that he is working within us and trust that what he is doing is greater than anything we could accomplish for ourselves in this world. And so denying ourselves is literally denying the impulse to just live for now. Even if living for now means I'm trying to do some kind of smaller, you know, good deed, my good deeds apart from Christ are still filthy rags according to Scripture. And so I've got to deny my impulse to define myself by this world And be defined by the things of God. And this is a consistent message in the New Testament. Okay, Paul really, he really elevates the discussion here. But when you understand this, you see it's kind of all over. In 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 9, he says this. He says, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed when? Before the ages. It's just another way of saying before the foundation of the world. For our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the new normal. Okay, that's, I want you to walk out of here today, grab hold of that one thing, that what God wants for you is so amazing, is so high, is so exalted beyond this world and what he's going to do in you. Now, the culmination of this, of course, is in heaven, okay? So don't get just stuck in this life. We're talking the rest of this life and the, the age to come and in heaven, But what he wants to do is so exalted and so great that you can't even imagine it in your own mind. You got an elevated view of God yet? You're thinking about a bigger reality now? Like, wait a minute. 
You mean God's, God's doing a work that you have? It hasn't even entered into your heart. Like your imagination on your best and wildest day, you couldn't even come close to thinking about what God's actually going to do. And it started with him giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He's already given it to us. And we don't realize it. We don't live in it. We don't appropriate it to ourselves daily and walk in it. And that's not God's fault. That's ours. That's because we sell it short. It's because we settle for less. And so the question is, will we walk in those blessings that he has already given us? And so I want to close with this uh, very popular quote from C.S. Lewis, but I thought it really fit. It's the intro to his sermon, The Weight of Glory. Because if we're going to embrace the new normal and we're going to reach higher than we've ever reached, we've got to stop being satisfied with the less. We've got to stop being satisfied with the crumbs that Satan will throw our way sometimes to make us feel alive. We've got to stop being satisfied with mediocrity in our spiritual lives. C.S. Lewis said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's going to be our challenge through this whole sermon series is reaching higher. God has given it to us. Paul starts this entire letter by letting us know he's already blessed you with everything you could possibly need or want. It goes beyond your comprehension what he's done for you. So let's reach for it. And let's keep reaching for it. Will you choose to live in the new normal? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. And God, thank you for what you have done, what you have given us. God, your plan is beyond our comprehension. You've planned this before the foundation of the world. And God, we should be comforted by that. But not just comforted, excited. God, we're a part of a plan that you had in place before the foundation of the world, and we get to be a part of it. God, help us to take advantage of that, to be excited by it, to have a higher view of you, a, a bigger view of your kingdom, and that we would not settle for anything less than the blessings that you have given us. And God, help us to do this together. God, I don't believe that we can, we can walk in these blessings alone. It takes the body of Christ to do it. God, help us to, to spur one another forward to love and good works. To show mercy to each other. To challenge each other. As iron sharpens iron, God, help us to, to sharpen each other for your kingdom. In love and brotherhood and sisterhood. God, I pray that this church would be filled with your power. God, not just for the experience, but for the transformation. 
that this church would be a light to your greatness, to your glory, to the praise of your glory. God, help us to live in this new normal, to know the blessings that you have given us and to walk in them. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.